Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pop Culture on the Rocks. My name is Anna, and I'm here with Callan as usual. But it's December, so we like to have a new special guest every month. And this episode's special guest is my husband, Stephen. I've been trying and... to get on this show for months. <laughs> well, let me let me give you give you a good intro. Okay, okay, here. okay. So the three of us all have known each other for a really long time. Steven, actually, we talked about Chortle Games a lot on this podcast. Chortle Games is Steven and his friend Jake's YouTube channel. And they also have a podcast mm-hmm. called Chortlecast. We do. So just a little promotion work that Steven's doing here. Yeah, we're uh, kind of a small deal. <laughs> but a deal nonetheless. We're a deal. We're a deal. <laughs> Yes, and I will have chortlegames.com linked in the show notes below. You're the best. Jake is very particular about having chortlegames.com. Yes. Because Celie Allison plugged youtube.com slash chortlegames. I guess that's a mouthful. Rookie mistake, Lee Allison. (laughs) I know. He got on to her, so we have it correct here. (laughs) We're all learning. But yeah, so Steven loves chortle games in the community that they have. So they do a lot of streaming and... Streaming, whatever video games we feel like playing, usually on the weekends. We have a podcast on Mondays where the tagline is... Let me see if I can remember it because Jake always... Jake never lets me do the intro. So this is like my opportunity. Wow, me and Callan go back and forth. Y'all need to I had to go that. on a different podcast <laughs> to even say the intro. You feel free here. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, thank you. Jake is the worst. Uh, but on Mondays, we do our Chortlecast, which is where we talk about video games, anime, TV, whatever the heck we want to talk about is the tagline. It's usually just a lot of video games, but sometimes we throw some other stuff in there. Which is its own sector of pop culture. Right, True. right. Very much a, a huge pop culture thing and a huge business. Especially this year. Like, yeah, that's this true. Year. Yeah. The mm. pandemic's probably brought people back to video games who probably left for a little while. Mm-hmm. And the PlayStation 5 just came out. It's out, yeah. It's in the other room. It's resting quietly right now. <laughs> so anyway, Steven's pretty cool. He's like a, a nerd, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a good way. I mean, we're all, I think all three of us are yeah. nerds and are, in, you know, we're all into like books and, yeah. and reading. I'm your typical nerd, you know. <laughs> Video games, Marvel, a little bit of Star Wars, the old right. ones, not the new ones. Right. Got the occasional hot take in there. The prequels are great. Fight me. Yeah, Steven has a lot of opinions, which I love. Anna's already made it known about the prequels, how she feels. So we're no judgment pop culture podcasts, you know. We all right. have our own opinions. That's fine. We can disagree, but we can all get along. There's room for everyone. That's so. good. There you go. That's, That's good. the beauty of pop culture. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we're happy to have Steven on today. And like we start off every episode, we're going to talk about what we are consuming watching listening to reading however you want to answer that question i'll go ahead and go first i am so flipping excited because my all-time favorite podcast is back and i am just over the moon so my all-time favorite podcast is the soundtrack show with david w collins i feel like the title is pretty self-explanatory but the host is david w collins he's a composer who has written like 
tons of music for like video games and movies and all that stuff. So he's very well versed in music. Well, some of like his earlier episodes, he would talk about kind of like concepts. So like maybe like how a horror scene is made, like how does death sound is a episode Mm. that he's done and like christmas music what Mm. makes something sound like it's a christmas song Mm. if it has no lyrics or something Uh like that and then he also does evaluations like deep dives of movies he's done a lot of more movies than like video games for example but he's done like star wars jaws superman Mm -hmm. a lot of john williams obviously Mm -hmm. yeah Um, he jokes saying that the show could be should be called the john williams show because john williams is (laughs) Featured. But he but he has but a lot he's of stuff done, in there. Yeah, he's done other composers, not mm-hmm. just him. And I feel like even if you're not like a music person, like you don't know how to read music or don't know like what rhythm means or you know, like some of those terms that like maybe more musicians would probably know. Like this podcast n- is not just for people who are into like the concept yeah. of music. He definitely makes it to where someone who knows maybe more about music, it can be enjoyable for them, but also can be enjoyable for someone who just appreciates a great song. So I'm so happy because it's been a long, I think he had a couple of kids recently. So like some of his shows kind of are not as consistent as they were before, but he tweeted out last week that the soundtrack show is back on Wednesday, December 9th. And the episode that he is doing is on Home Alone. Classic Christmas film. So yeah, the soundtrack show is my all-time favorite podcast besides of course pop culture on the rocks and and, and chortle cast mm, of course yeah. <laughs> yeah so third favorite yeah, but those those go without saying right yes so. those are mm-hmm. part but, of but my you can soul. still you can still say it <laughs> <laughs> you're That's right you're please right please say them <laughs> please say so yeah i highly recommend it but his first episode is called great melodies tell great stories and that episode in itself just like covers such a large net of like what he talks about Mm -hmm. and like how visual art it's basically (laughs) needed that music is involved because just the amount of emotion or like action it gets completely elevated by the music if you want to check it out not sure where to start because he does have a lot of episodes i would recommend that one because he just kind of like talks about not one just movie but yeah his earlier episodes are kind of like a light music theory course that's Mm -hmm. really interesting like that holds your attention because because he is a very approachable kind of guy and the way he talks about everything and after you get through those episodes he just kind of takes a deep dive into the movies and since you've already watched like how great melodies tell great stories you can kind of understand where he's coming from when he talks about how middle earth is what the source of the the score in lord of the rings is Mm -hmm. because he's kind of built your knowledge as you've gone with him and it's super interesting i i enjoy it too i love that podcast yeah i've recommended the podcast to a lot of people and i've specifically recommended that episode and i will say everyone has come back and said that it was a great episode so it really is just a, a, a great show like it's the perfect length for something like that and it doesn't waste your time at all like it's always just kind of mm-hmm. going it's always really engaging um, so strong recommend yeah i'm interested because i'm not very musical so i like that it's easy for someone like me to understand and also i feel like soundtracks for our movies or tv shows or whatever it may be are not really talked about as much as they should be considering the amount of work that goes in and the thought behind it and then also the impact it has 
whether you're getting that like subconsciously or not, you know, exactly mm-hmm. whether you're noticing or not. We don't think about things, even like reality shows to take out the music and it just be silent. It's yes. super yes. weird. How would I know if someone was in trouble on Amazing Race if they didn't do that little <laughs> stinger noise that they do? <laughs> That's so true, though. And even the absence of music, like mm-hmm. he talks about that, like in Star Wars, for example, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there are times when it is specifically absent of music, almost like whenever like maybe like someone's lost in space or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. this is eerie. There's no music. Like uh, the one that comes to mind for me is Avengers Infinity War. Because mm-hmm. when the snap, yes. ha- spoiler for Avengers Infinity War, <laughs> when the snap happens, the score stops. And there's no noise except for the sounds of the characters and the and the wind. And it just feels unnerving. And that's because mm-hmm. like the horrible event that's happening, you kind of feel that dissonance with the characters mm-hmm. you're so right and it's very powerful when something like that is in a theater yes because the movie is silent and everyone is silent and it's like you feel that you get to hear the gasps of everybody as their favorite character turns to dust all the fangirls <laughs> yeah. are crying when bucky goes away it's great. <laughs> and that's why we need to keep movie theaters open yes anyway so yeah go check out the soundtrack show five stars what have you been watching Callan? um so i've been watching my normal stuff nothing too interesting right now so i will share something that i started reading and we can all oh, get a good yeah. laugh oh <laughs> i said this on our episode with lee allison about all of this like middle school you know reliving my other years of reading has made me yes. want to read these prequels or whatever they are so i read the first chapter of Midnight Sun. All right. Yes. I will say it was quite long. How long is that book? Is it as long as the others? It felt longer because I'll tell you, I downloaded it on my Kindle mm-hmm. and I read one chapter and I was still at 1%. So, <laughs> wow. okay. <laughs> However long that is, I don't know. Steven, are you a Twilight fan? A Twilight? No, no, I can't say I am. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> are you Team Edward or? I was gonna say I'm Team Blade, but that's so 2006 meme of me to say Team Blade. I don't know what that means. He's a vampire hunter. Who said Team Van Helsing? I would know that. There you go, Team Van Helsing. I'm Team <laughs> Long Hair Hugh Jackman. <laughs> or yes. Lizzie McGuire's dad in Team Lizzie Mom's McGuire's dad. Vampire, which we talked about on our Halloween episode. So. No, I'm not a. I'm not a. Uh, a Twihart. <laughs> I was against the book whenever they announced it was coming out, but, you know, I was like, well, let me just see what it's like. And I will say, even though it's the exact same book as the first one, just from Edward's perspective, it did feel different. But as soon as I started reading it, I was reacquainted with how Stephanie Meyer writes, which is like, here's all these words I found in the thesaurus (laughs) I can make Edward sound like so brilliant because he's 200 years old, you know? So yeah. wise. So I'm like, okay, this is this is enough. Everything is so dramatic already, and Bella is barely there. So we'll see. <laughs> and it was interesting because things would happen, and maybe it's because I've seen the movie more than the book, and I don't remember exactly how they changed it. But I would I would read it, and I was like, is this really what happened? I don't remember it that way. Like I felt like Stephanie was wrong, but <laughs> guess she knows better than I do. We'll see. I'll let you know if I keep reading. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Sarah will be curious to hear what you think and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious to hear what you think about it i hope it takes a hard left turn for you and there's like another love triangle but it's like a mummy 
is one of the people in the love triangle. <laughs> Let's throw in some other uh, yeah, yeah. creatures. Like other characters from like Hotel Trans- Transylvania. Get them in there. Get a Frankenstein, a mummy. Get all of those in there. That'd be I great. <laughs> so the Game Awards are this week. Well, mm-hmm. as of this airing, they probably already happened. But uh, they are tomorrow as of recording this. I'm a big music guy when it comes to film and, and games. So I have been listening to a lot of the scores for the games that have been nominated for Best Soundtrack. And so that's been kind of cool. Hades has a really good soundtrack by uh, Darren Korb. It's very unique. It's basically Greek mythology if you played as Hades' angsty son who just wanted to leave home. Okay. <laughs> But it's like an it's an action game, and so like the whole point is like you're trying to get through the underworld, and he keeps getting knocked back, and so you have to keep basically doing it over and over again until you beat it. But the soundtrack is amazing. I definitely recommend listening to that if you're even remotely interested in in video game scoring because it it does that whole melody telling a story kind of thing as well, to where the music really amplifies the experience. Mm-hmm. And then if there's anyone that loves just hardcore metal, <laughs> just look up the Doom <laughs> soundtrack. It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that's in our demographic. Uh, there's somewhere, somewhere out there. If if you're just like, man, pop culture on the rocks is great, but it just needs more mention mentioning of demon slaying and and heavy metal and guitar music. There you go. There you go. There's your plug. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I've been watching Phineas and Ferb again. Always a good. He's choice. a huge Phineas and Ferb I, fan. I loved that show growing up. It's so good, no matter what age you are. It's just it's really true. clever. It's super funny. It's super entertaining. We watched uh, the Christmas episode recently. It was great. It, from, it taught, what season was that? Two, I think, maybe, on Disney+. Plus. I don't think yeah. any of them are, are in order anyway. So That's true. Um, yeah, the Christmas episode was great. It teaches you that you can be a horrible person all year. As long as you do one good thing at the end, the elves Before will be Christmas. like, ah, put him on the nice. <laughs> But it was sweet because, like, the it the theme of it is more, like, being thankful. Yeah. And, like, yeah. like the whole time they want to, like, thank Santa yeah. for sending them gifts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's, of course, the conflict of, like, what Dr. Doofenshmirtz is doing affects what they're doing. But the whole idea of it is that they're trying to do everything they, they can so that Santa has something. Um, and they just really wanted him to know that... that they're thankful for what he does. And so it was it was a good message because you don't really get that thankfulness message mm-hmm. out of Christmas specials a lot. Um, but I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, I loved Phineas and Ferb back in the day. And it's still just really good. It's one of those that's like, this is what I want my kids to watch because it's actually yes. good humor. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They do some pretty funny jokes in there that are kind of adult, but not adult enough to where, like, like there was one, they, on. they were racing these models of planets that they made. It's really hard to explain what they were doing, but all you need to know is that the bully was in Uranus. And so he was like, Uranus ready. And they're like, that's not how you pronounce it, Buford. And he goes, on this channel it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So last week I mentioned to, it was a surprise to Callan that I started watching the challenge and I am still watching it continuing and I'm not going to watch the season that is airing currently just because I want to see everything beforehand, especially since the challenge is very much like people who come on in the past keep coming back. So I want to know right. who these people are as soon as I can. Well, <laughs> I stumbled upon this fact today, and I don't know if it's something that y'all know, but Callan, do you know who The Miz is from <laughs> WWE? <laughs> The name sounds familiar, but I I could not tell you. I feel like you would probably know, like, he would look familiar to you. Okay, yeah. Like, 
obviously I don't watch wrestling, but I know, like I recognized him kind of like him and The Rock and John Cena, like people who were just kind of like, you know, staples, I guess, of WWE. Okay. Did you know The Miz was first on TV in 2001 on The Real World Back to New York? That makes so much sense. Yeah. So he started on Real World in 2001. Then that's where he got the nickname The Miz. Hmm. (laughs) It's from Real World. Yeah. Then he was on the challenge from 2002 to 2005. Wow. If if you're still having trouble placing him, he was also in the psych episode that's a Bachelor, (laughs) the Bachelor episode. He was the Uh guy who went ballistic when he got voted out and like broke a pot on his head. Yeah. He's had a lot of like, yeah. just, I definitely saw, I saw that I know, and I'm wondering if I also saw him on the challenge back in the day too. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. No, I just thought so that was random. really just like a small world that he started on MTV. And then now he is like a big WWE person. And I think, like, he and his wife have, like, a reality show or something. Yeah. He also won an episode of Fear Factor. I probably also saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Big Fear Factor fans here. Anyways, so I had to let y'all know that fast fact because it was very interesting to me. I love a fact. All right. So we've talked about what we've been watching or consuming. What is everyone consuming as in, like, beverage? <laughs> nice. Good segue. Yeah. Good Thanks. one. She's I'm good really, at that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well known for that. Jake is really bad over at Trollcast with segues. He's like, speaking of consuming, this person got fired at this corporation this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's real bad at it. Just find the smallest thing and see if it works. That's usually what I go for. I'm having a... Golden Ale. Uh, it is a Mississippi beer company, actually. Colson's. C-O-L-S-O-N-S. It says that it was brewed and bottled for this company by Lazy Magnolia Brewing, who we've talked about on the podcast before, um, from Kiln, Mississippi. Kiln as in, like, what you put your pottery in. Kiln. Not, like, killing or anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, <laughs> their hashtag is give them the bird. <laughs> <laughs> to add context, there's a bird. Yes, with on... like barley or yeah. whatever you use. I to assume make. the bird made the beer. Yes. If, Maybe his name is Colson. If anyone tells me that the bird didn't make the beer, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I would love to see that on a tour. <laughs> Love supporting local, always a good choice. Golden Ale's a little less intense for me than like a stout or something like that. So it's a good one. I've got Old Faithful. I've got a hard (laughs) cider. All right. It is, um, you'll never guess, it is Bold Rock. You would think we're sponsored by Bold Rock with as many times (laughs) as we have had their beverages, but I think this actually is my last cider from the road trip. So everybody. Oh, Oh, wow. End of an era. Seriously. (laughs) But this is the just classic, premium dry, very good. Love it. From North Carolina. Delicious. What about you, Steven? Uh, I drank already. It is empty. Um, hot chocolate from a mm. hot cocoa bomb 
that animated me. Yeah. It was really cool. My mom recently got like the silicone molds and like everything to make them. And she learned how to make it. So we made a few for ourselves. They're fun. We got to watch it melt and eventually explode with hot cocoa mix and stuff. It was cool. Delicious. Did it it taste pretty good? It tasted a little burnt, but that was probably my fault because I burnt the milk. Oh. But it was good. It was good. I have another question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to take a poll. Because I feel like this is a big deal for me. So I always grew up microwaving my milk before, you know, to have hot chocolate. Steven heats his on the stove. What do you do with your milk? Well, first of all, I might let y'all down a little bit because growing up, I actually used water, not milk. Mm. That's the most wrong you could have been. (laughs) I knew I was going to get a bad reaction. <laughs> but first of all, I would heat my water in a kettle on the stove. So okay. I guess there I'm still wrong with the water, I guess. But uh, it was on the stove. Well, But I always drank. Um, my mom makes the best hot chocolate mix. Mm. so i had that and it had like all like the creamer and the milk powder in it so it was still really thick it wasn't watery like if you did swissness with water right so it was still very good but i mean i'll do it in the microwave if i'm lazy but to me it it does it's not as hot and it doesn't stay hot yes right it's just funny because like i grew up like my whole life always heating we would have water as well but like always heating it in the microwave yeah. And then I remember one like the first time like he was making us hot chocolate and he like takes out the pan and like puts the, the... make me sound like such an old man. Just <laughs> No, I'm just saying how great your culinary arts are because I was like blown away. I was just like oh, That's true, you, you are. heat the milk on the stove. Well, speaking of amazing hot chocolate, every week Callan and I say a reason why we should be on the amazing race do you have a a reason that we should be on it callan and anna should be on the amazing race so that we never get anyone on the race ever again as hard to tolerate as (laughs) d'angelo there you go because they'll appreciate it (laughs) don't even get me started Mm. I'm glad you brought that up. I mm-hmm. had that in my notes because I was really, honestly, just sad by that comment. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. like, their friendship was really cute and sweet, and they both had, like, seemed like they were having a great time. Sorry, this is a spoiler for people who don't watch Amazing Race. But, basically, D'Angelo was very upset with the situation that occurred with them, And they had taken a two-hour penalty and basically, like, knew that they were in last. And then they get eliminated. And Phil, the host of the show, is like, so what did you think? You know, like, are y'all happy with how you ran the race? And Gary is just, you know, I think he's upset. But he's like, yeah, you know, we had a good time. I had a good partner. And D'Angelo's like, no, the bad outweighed the good. And I'm like, is this a The financial gain just wasn't worth it for me. Yeah, he said like the the money was not life changing for him. He could have paid I could for have this paid trip for this himself. trip myself and not had to raise. And my thought is, I'm sorry, just like me and Callan, this is our dream, and like mm-hmm. there are thousands of other people like us who like this is their dream to go on this show, and just to hear that like really made me upset. Cause I'm just like, okay, then why are you on here? 
obviously yeah. you don't care that much about the show. I I really did like them, you know, and their dynamic. Yeah. And they're cosplayers. Like, mm-hmm. we love cosplayers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, they just started on such a high. Right. And these la- this last little while, I just have been disappointed. And yeah, that is a great reason that you gave, Stephen, because we would never say that. No. I just exactly. can't even imagine, even if we want to really give him the benefit of the doubt that he was upset, I just can't imagine being that upset where I say, no, it sucked. Like, what? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you made fourth place so many people don't even get that honor Mm -hmm. like i'm just picturing you know how many people who've gotten out first that are like oh my gosh this was an amazing experience Mm -hmm. and i mean those people only went one place overall that was very sad and honestly for the normal person watching annoying but for people who have auditioned multiple times like two people sitting here it's insulting because it's like well you know what i would trade places with you absolutely so we brought Steven on this week because Steven's all-time favorite TV show is... Scrubs. Yes. And so we brought him on to talk about Scrubs. I have watched Scrubs once mm-hmm. with Steven. And Callan, did you say you've watched the first episode? Yes, I've seen the pilot episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we wanted to... I mean, Steven remembers a lot more about the show than I do, so that's why I kind of wanted to bring him on. Um, yeah, I've seen it once or twice. Yeah, how many times have you seen Probably it? Probably like seven. <laughs> All the way through. I'm doing another watch through. It's I rewatch a shows a lot because I work from home, so I, I have shows on in the background, so... It's about time for Scrubs. Once I get through Community, I'm going back to Scrubs. Yeah, it kind of has a cycle of it like does. Yeah. shows. Scrubs has always been number one. Oh yeah, right. It's so good. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and kind of like give a few fast facts about Scrubs. So for people who may not remember what Scrubs is, because it's been a while, <laughs> uh, Scrubs premiered in 2001, and the series finished in 2010. So, literally 10 years ago, which is crazy. Uh, The show started on NBC and then ended on ABC. Mm -hmm. And it is currently streaming on Hulu, correct? Correct. It starts with this young doctor named John Dorian. Yes. And he goes by JD, played by Zach Braff, who is a hilarious, wonderful person. Chicken Little from Chicken Little. (laughs) His claim to fame. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure he would say that. So, it kind of like follows his story and it's mm-hmm. all through his point of view yeah he's got the um the voiceover uh that you, that's used as a narrative device for him like processing the story and it also connects his lesson that he learns always connects to the lessons that all the other characters learn but never in a way to where it's really obvious the writing's really clever to where the stories tie together really well to where you don't even realize how well they're tying together um, like one episode was, uh, with one of my favorite subtle jokes that I didn't get to like the fourth watching is the wizard of Oz uh, episode where, uh, JD has the day off at the hospital and he's listening to Africa by Toto in the bathtub when he gets called in by one of his interns to help him with something. And so, uh, in that episode, he's, he's trying to get home and the hospital just implemented this system to, sh- to know your way around that's these different colors on the floor like the lines mm-hmm. and the yellow one is how you leave the hospital 
So the whole episode, JD is trying to follow the yellow line to get home. And at one yeah. point, he turns to a character and he says, me and Toto are going home and holds up his <laughs> iPod. <laughs> and I didn't get it till like my fourth viewing of the series. But I was like, man, what a deep cut joke. That is. Uh, but the way they tie in the lessons that all the characters learned in that episode is that all the characters are going through their own personal challenges to where they are learning to have a heart or to have a brain or to mm. have uh, courage. Um, so it's really clever in the way it connects all these different stories because it's about jd he's the main character he's the one who we experience the uh, events through but it's got such a good supporting cast and they can all easily carry their own episodes and they do at some point yeah so like it's following jd who is he's having his residency mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the series so he's doing his residency at the hospital sacred heart mm-hmm. And he's there with his best friend, Turk, who is played by Donald Faison from, uh, remember the Titans, right? Yeah. And Clueless. Clueless, yeah. So yeah, like their relationship's really funny. He's also in the music video for Beat It by Fall Out Boy for like two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I love that version. Me too. That's my, it's my version. Yeah. It's so good. It really is. Yeah. Again, a few like facts about the show before we kind of like dive deeper. Every episode, they have medical advisors Mm -hmm. and, like, real doctors to advise about, like, what the story is going to be and, like, what's happening to these patients. And it's funny because the medical advisors' names are the names of three characters. So, John Dorian is an actual doctor, Jonathan Dorian. And John Turk is one of the doctors that were advisors on the show so that to me always is like okay they're not just like making up medical no issues so that's interesting and then like like steven said it's all being seen through jd's eyes and it's like you can hear the thoughts that are going in his head and then he's also has a lot of what is it called like a daydream cutaways and they make fun of this jd is a very imaginative person to where like he'll hear something and he'll think, huh, and it'll cut away to like him imagining that thing. That's where a lot of the humor comes from. But they even poke fun at, at that, how an episode from another character's eyes, JD will just look up at, in the corner of his <laughs> eye and just go away for a few seconds. And then he'll come back and he'll say, and that's why you should never trust a garden gnome or something like that. And you just don't know what he's talking about because yeah. you didn't see it. So it, it uses a lot of that for its humor. That's so funny because... The, the humor can be kind of like really goofy and childish at times, but it is one of the most emotional comedies because mm-hmm. it taking place in a hospital being about these actual medical things and you get to meet these patients and a lot of them die. And it the performances <laughs> from the actors yeah. are so good. Uh, and it, it, it really knows how to hit, hit all of the sides of like the emotional spectrum so quickly because it could do... A cutaway where JD is dreaming about Turk having cow udders, but then the next scene later, they're trying to bring a patient back to life and they don't. And, and so it, it walks that really hard to walk balance, but it's, it's almost kind of a meta thing about the show because doctors, surgeons that work in hospitals and kind of intensive care and all that kind of stuff, that's, that's the day for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's finding the humor where you can find it. But knowing that the next five minutes from then, you may have to tell someone that they're never going to leave that hospital. Yeah. Um, And it does it in such a clever way that it's just really, really admirable. 
Yeah. And that was something that I wrote down. So Stephen introduced me to Scrubs. I'd heard of it, never seen it, was never really like super interested. <laughs> and he was like, this is my all time favorite show. You'll absolutely love it. It has great character development, which it really does. Mm-hmm. And shows a lot of like, even the characters who are kind of the villains of the show, mm-hmm. you eventually get backstory and you learn how they've gotten that way like maybe they've they've become really callous to like the hospital industry like for example like the chief of medicine and dr kelso and he's like very known to be like money driven doesn't really care about the patients and like you really hate him to be honest but then you kind of learn like how he became that way Mm -hmm. and it almost became like a necessity for him yeah so that's what i really love about shows is just like even the people that you hate you mm-hmm. kind of learn why they are the way they are. It's everyone's three dimensional. Yeah. Like no one is that mustache twirling villain. Right. Uh, and no one mm-hmm. is perfect. Like one of the best characters in the show, probably the best character is Dr. Cox, mm-hmm. who is the main character's mentor uh, played by um, John C. McGinley. He is a jerk. Absolutely. Like he's just mean, <laughs> but he, he is good at what he does. His heart's in the right place. He's just very rough around the edges. But you see his flaws. The most flawed character on the show is him. But you connect with him a lot because all these characters are just, for the most part, really human. Uh, and mm-hmm. Kelso, like you mentioned, for example, of course comes to mind. There's an episode, and I won't get into spoilers, really, but there's an episode where JD is tasked with writing a speech about Kelso, and he has to find like one good thing to say about him. And Dr. Cox says to JD, he's like, at the end of the day, Bob Kelso's the kind of guy that can walk out of this hospital and not let anything in the day affect him because he just doesn't care. And so throughout the episode, you see him take that last step out of the hospital and he just starts whistling, even though like he may have seen a, a little girl die in her hospital that, that mm-hmm. day. But at the end of the episode, uh, Citizen Cope's Sideways, which I assume you put music down here on, as one of your notes. Yeah, yeah that was we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but that song's playing in the background as it shows the episode wrapping up and... Dr. Kelso walks out of the hospital, but no one's watching. And as soon as he takes that step, when throughout the episode you'd seen him just start whistling and be and smile and everything, you finally see the day get to him, and he just kind of looks down and sighs, and then just walks off with his head low. And that's how the episode ends. So it, it just does really a really good job of developing characters and showing their dimensions. Even he, who like if you watch the first season, you hate the guy. You, he's the worst. But he he still is the worst. He still is the worst. But he's got. But he loves muffins, and I can relate. To he it. does love muffins. That's like his entire <laughs> arc for an entire season. <laughs> um, but but you get to see these aspects of humanity in all these characters that exist in such a goofy show. It is a super goofy show, yeah. and it has a lot of like dirty jokes yeah and some things that are like okay like a little like cheap jokes you know it's like oh my mm-hmm. gosh that's so silly mm-hmm. like they have a stuffed dog for example <laughs> like a taxidermy dog and there's like a plot line where they lose the dog and mm-hmm. so he tries to find who is it that loses it carla his name's so, rowdy rowdy and then they get a new one named steven yeah <laughs> and they get they end up having two of them and they're like well which one's rowdy and which one's steven and then jd reaches down to the crotch of one of the dogs and says that's steven (laughs) (laughs) just stuff like that but seriously though like that series i don't think i've ever cried as hard and as much 
in a comedy show. I really don't think mm-hmm. I've ever cried in a comedy show, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I cry all the time in This Is Us, as usual. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's expected. Right. But, like, yeah, it just has a lot of heart in the show. And, honestly, I feel like if you watch it right now, giving the state of the world that we live in, I feel like it could really give a better example of, like, just what the medical workers Mm -hmm. go through every single day, putting their life on the line, and also just the emotional toll it takes Mm -hmm. on all of them. Mm Because, like, there's something that Dr. Cox said that just, like, really stuck with me, where he said, obviously this is not a direct quote, but (laughs) basically, like, JD was getting really discouraged because, like, all of his patients were not getting better. Mm -hmm. And Cox said something along the lines of, that's exactly what doctors do. We're never going to solve all their problems. Eventually, they're going to come back here. Everyone dies eventually. Everything they do is a stall. Yes, exactly. Everything we're doing is just stalling the inevitable. And it was just like, gosh, that's so pessimistic. Mm -hmm. But like... It's absolutely true, and I'm sure that's something that people in the medical field have to come to grips with, is, like, all of these people are eventually going to come back in one way or the other, and we're just trying to make their life Mm-hmm. a little bit longer or a little bit better than the way it was mm-hmm. before so mm-hmm. anyway i just feel like that's really fitting especially with the world that we are now and people in the medical field have weighed in like this has been a thing for a while because you know a lot of these medical shows are played up for dramatic effect and everything and people who've worked in the medical field have said that scrubs is easily the most accurate of all of the shows when it comes to portraying just the medical side of things. Um, which, again, if you see some of the scenes <laughs> from JD's cutaways, you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there actually is a cutaway yeah. of Turk having cow udders. <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> uh, but that's just an example. But yeah. but they, they do handle the medical stuff really well. It's It's just very interesting. It's a show that it's just so weird, but it's it does everything so well. It came out in 2001. One, when it premiered, yeah. That's right. And a lot of conventions that you found in like single camera TV series, I, I can't say they started with Scrubs, but Scrubs kind of popularized or perfected some of the conventions like the the narration from the main character to wrap up everything to learn the lesson um how i met your mother stole that one a lot as well as using the song at the end of the episode to tie everything together scrubs did that ever since day one just a lot of smaller things that you find in in tv shows from the era of the end of scrubs moving on to even some shows now scrubs was one of the first ones to really do that well another really funny like random random things uh like he mentioned with the wizard of oz episode there are some musical (laughs) specials that are really funny so i recommend those and then scrubs has some of the best background characters (laughs) like extras so they are recurring extras who i mean they don't have any dialogue right sometimes they do okay at first they didn't but it became such a joke that they gave them personalities can you um give us some of the Um, the nicknames for the extras that the characters give the the there's snoop dog intern who's (laughs) a guy that just looks like snoop dog but there's a joke with him that every so often when they mention him he's gotten a promotion so he corrects them. So they're like, yeah, Snoop Dogg intern over there. And he's like, hey. And they're like, oh, Snoop Dogg resident? Nice. And he's like, that's right. <laughs> um, there's Colonel Doctor, who looks like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> but what's his um, actual name? Um, 
I don't remember. There's an entire episode about. Wait, I thought he was Doctor Beardface. That's that's Beard Doctor Beardface, and oh. he's because he's just this doctor that has a really big beard on his face, and every single time they say it, he's like it's Beardface, and then they're just like at one point they even say they're like you either have to take the nickname or you shave the beard. <laughs> um, there's. Dr. Uh, Dr. Mickhead, he was completely made out of just a joke. They mentioned one of the other characters' nicknames, and then they said, you should hear what they call Dr. Mickhead. And they just cut to him, and that's the entire reason he exists in the show. But then they developed this whole backstory of him where, like, he's on trial for possibly murdering his wife. <laughs> and he's just this really sketchy guy. There's Reynolds, the security guard, with an afro. No, it's Le- Leonard? Yeah, Leonard, the, the black security guard with the afro and a hook for a hand. And he dates one of the, the, the doctors. One of the inter- one of JD's yeah. interns, a really old woman named Gloria. Yeah. There are a lot of just really good minor yeah, characters. Just, they add so many over time, too. I love a good background character. It's just kind of there. <laughs> and, and it really was one of those things where with certain ones, I don't know if it's with all of them, but they were background characters. And they just had them on retainer for being in ba- the background of scenes. And they eventually were just like, you have a huge beard on your face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your name's going to be Dr. Beardface. Um, and that's just so funny to me because you could like see one of the background characters early on in season one. And that background role turned into them being a running joke. Yeah. That's just really cool. And something we touched on earlier, it does have great music. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's, you know, early 2000s. It utilizes music really well. I think David W. Collins would be Mm -hmm. proud of how they use music to... Yeah, they use, like, actual licensed music. Like, music by certain artists, like uh, Josh Radin, uh, if Mm -hmm. you've heard of him. He's actually, he was roommates with Zach Braff when the show was being made. And so his his breakout song, Winter, was actually, pre- I don't know if it was premiered or if it was just utilized in one of the best episodes of the show. And I'm not even going to say a word about that when it's the Ben episode. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say oh, like anything about that episode because you need to just experience it. And it was used in that episode and it was like just a knife to the heart. But it was, it's such a good song and that, that got me into that song. And they, they have a lot of those tracks though where I know that a lot of music I've heard when I hear it, it's like, oh, that's from that episode of Scrubs. Because mm-hmm. it's able to make that kind of connection between the emotion that they want you to feel and, and the song itself. But they also have sound cues that yeah, they make fun ridiculous. of. Uh, it's a running joke that whenever something sad happens, there's this little piano thing that plays like every single time that something sad happens and it goes to commercial and eventually JD references it as if it's like, he's aware, like he hears it, like it's diegetic. Mm-hmm. And then when it does that before commercial break, he he's like humming along with the song where <laughs> it goes to commercial break. They utilize a lot of their, their sound cues and their scoring in the humor. Yeah. So, um, what about the last season of Scrubs? Season eight. Great season. <laughs> <laughs> So, Scrubs technically has nine seasons, according to Wikipedia. According That's so to weird. You know, you can't Stephen-pedia. trust... You can't trust Wikipedia. Anyone can edit it. They can edit it, I'm sure, <laughs> to say that, like, Dave Franco was a main character, that JD wasn't even really in the season. Like, can you imagine if that happened? Yeah, it's a tough... It's a tough emotional uh. spot for Steven, but there is a ninth season. I've never actually watched I it. I won't let He her. would not let me watch <laughs> it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is fine because, I mean, the finale of season eight okay. wrapped up everything really well. Like, if I had to pick one episode of television, like one finale, that I could just say, nailed it. Perfect. Just 
end it there. It's the Scrubs finale. I of don't season of season eight. The finale. <laughs> Your finale. <laughs> the finale. <laughs> it has such a series finale tone to it. Yeah, like, it does. Why? <laughs> but it it does. I I don't cry at television a lot. The first three times I saw that episode, I bawled because it was so perfect, but also so existential. And and yet they they apparently kept going with the ninth season when they put the perfect bow on it. They were just like. Mm, Let's tear the bow and then just put duct tape on it. No bow, just duct tape. That's season nine. It's not terrible. It's just not good. Yeah. Was it like a um, How I Met Your Mother situation where the last season made people upset? Just like everyone was left. It was an attempted reboot season. Oh. To where half of the cast didn't even come back. And there was a new main character and JD kind of passed the torch. And, And so you were following a new group of medical interns. And the only real returning characters were Turk and Dr. Cox, which are two fantastic characters. But Turk isn't as good when he doesn't have JD to play off of because they're best friends. That's their whole thing. They have such a great relationship because they actually are best friends in real life. And then Dr. Cox isn't as funny when he doesn't have JD to just tear into. Mm -hmm. So they took... Newbie. Newbie, Bambi. Everybody uh, has a nickname in that show, which is funny. it, It is one of those shows that... I, I don't feel right saying like, oh yeah, once you get through the first season, it's it's good. Uh, except for Parks and Rec. That's the only time that is an actual valid thing to say. Because season yeah. one of that is, is bad. We've talked about um, that, yeah. And, yeah. and, and short. Um, but but with this one, there it may take a while to get into. I don't really know. I was kind of into it from day one. But it is one of those shows that, that really grows as it goes along. Because you start with the characters when they're young and new at the hospital and the show progresses as they progress as people and in their careers. Um, and it's really cool getting to see these characters develop and, and their relationships develop. And it, it, it just feels like a very well-crafted show that tickles the most juvenile of funny bones, but also <laughs> is really clever. Like the whole me and Toto are going home thing. Mm-hmm. It's super clever. Uh, you haven't even talked about the janitor yet. <laughs> janitor, who... That's his name. That's his name. It's a running joke. I feel like even I know about Janitor. He, yeah. He's played by Neil Flynn, who, uh, if you ever watched uh, The Middle, he's the dad on The Middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Neil Flynn is an improv actor, or he or he was. So, at first, the janitor was just this minor character, and there's this whole lore argument going on that he was actually a figment of JD's imagination. We're not going to go there. <laughs> um, but... After season one, he got a bigger part of the series, but they realized, holy crap, this guy is hilarious. Like, he, he's just so good with improv. So eventually the script, outside of just important story bits, would just say, whenever Janitor had lines, it just said, whatever Neil says. So there are so many scenes in this show where he is just talking. He's he's really funny. That's really cool. I definitely recommend it. It's got a little bit of something for everybody. And I think now is a great time to start watching it because, as we said, it is on Hulu. And towards the beginning of you know, our quarantine lives. Actually, Zach Braff and Donald Faison started a rewatch podcast of Scrubs. So it's called Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald. They have a very catchy theme song written, written by, by uh, Sean Mendez, yeah. right? Or was oh, it cool. Charlie Pluth? It was one of those. I always get them confused. You know, I d- I've done that too. Yeah, <laughs> I have as well. We need I think it's Charlie. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> we they can got say popular it. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like they kind of look the same i did see charlie pooth at jimmy kimmel not mm. sean mendez 
But I couldn't have told you if that was... I would say Shawn Mendes has made it a bit more popular right now. Yeah. I feel I like I like so Shawn Mendes better. I like his music I definitely, better. definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a better performer. Who do you like better between <laughs> the two early 20s Caucasian singers? <laughs> yeah, so the podcast is really good. They go episode by episode talking about like what all happened, funny things that they saw, and then kind of like some background information about like what was going on in their life or what happened on shooting that day. That's cool. And then they also have special guests. So they've had like the creator of the show come on several times. Mm-hmm. And then like other actors on the show like Carla and Elliot and mm-hmm. Dr. Cox Dr. Cox has been on there. Several a few other times. people who've come on they and even have- get on like minor characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard the security guard, uh, who also played a big part behind the scenes and also played death right he was on one time and so it, you really do get the impression that they all had such close bonds making this show mm-hmm. and you learn you learn a lot of really cool facts uh like the fact that it was record they filmed this in an actual abandoned hospital yeah in the like basement or psych ward or some really weird place there was another show being produced made by at the time just nobody animators who I think had done some contract work with Disney uh, known as um, Chris, Christopher Miller and Philip Lord, who are responsible for the Lego movie, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, all like two, my favorite directors, pretty much uh, two of them. They were making a little show called clone high for MTV, <laughs> which if you aren't familiar with clone high, it is the most bizarre thing you've ever heard of because they take all these historical figures they clone them and they put them in high school. So what? the main character is Abraham Lincoln, voiced by Will Forte. <laughs> you watched it, right? I watched the whole thing and it was great. <laughs> it was so bizarre, but like, it was pretty funny. You can find the whole series on YouTube if you're just like, I'm in the mood for watching just something really different and weird today. Look up Clone High on YouTube. You might regret it. <laughs> Yeah, they have a, a really cute theme song. I'm sure for licensing purposes, we can't play the song, but I'll gladly sing it if you want. I don't really know the, all the words. Okay. I know it's the last part is rewatch show with Zach and Donald. <laughs> and then Donald goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone I know who is a fan of Scrubs, like, loves Scrubs. I feel like there's no, like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> People I know, like, really, really like it. So, yeah, I think it's refreshing to have, like, a medical series that has a lot of comedy. Because I don't know another show off the top of my head that's like that. Where they still mix in the real stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's either all goofy or all, you know, dramatic. So, yeah, I, I think that's cool and more relatable in a way. Yeah. And the theme song is written by Charlie Puth. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you know it's got to be catchy. He's out there writing podcast theme songs, <laughs> subway commercials. <laughs> COVID, Wait, no, COVID's that's, been that's hard. That's Sean Mendez. No, that's Charlie. No, Cone. it's Charlie. It is? Yeah, it is. He looks exactly have, the same. Have you ever seen that <laughs> SNL skit? Have you Co- ever seen Charlie Booth and Sean Mendez in the same room? <laughs> that's true. There's an <laughs> SNL skit called uh, Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney, and it's these two yeah, white guys, and it's a that. game show where they're like <laughs> trying to. <laughs> Is this person Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney? And they're like, no one. I think even Dylan McDermott. I don't even know which one's which. But they come out and they're like, 
saying facts about themselves and they say, this is a picture of my face and it's the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird, skit. weird skit, but it was so good. Well, did you all ever see Zach Braff get punked by Donald Faison? I don't think I did. I heard about it and I heard it was not a good look for Zach. He was like very, <laughs> very emotional, yeah. upset. very upset. Yes. But I mean, it was entertaining to me. <laughs> oh, I bet it was. Stephen and I highly recommend watching Scrubs for, obviously, it's funny, comedic moments, but even more so, I think, for the dramatic characters and just the, like, life lessons that you see yeah. the characters learn. It's cool. It's, it's a good binge show. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you have an accompanying podcast, mm-hmm. so... You can get even more fun out of it. It's true. I'm going to add it back to my list. You took it off? I'm just kidding. (laughs) She makes hot chocolate with water. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're transitioning from Scrubs TV show to the best TV show, a.k.a. Amazing Race. And before Steven leaves, he has also been watching The Amazing Race with me. As he should be. Right, right. Right. Do you have a favorite team? I really love Hung and Chi. Uh, The Beard Bros are great. Uh, The boyfriends are fine, but I feel like they've kind of been skating through this a little bit like they wouldn't be in the final three if it wasn't for the alliance but they've actually won some legs they they have i do think it's a strong final three it is a strong final three i just just, i'm just indifferent to them like i feel like hung and chi and and the and the beards are 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 two really strong teams and and the boyfriends deserve to be there but they haven't had any like really standout Mm -hmm. moments to me i feel like i feel like a lot of their stuff has been through the alliance if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and d'angelo and gary or I'm just they can just go away. <laughs> D'Angelo mainly. Gary was fine. Yeah. But and they've been fine they this were whole fine. time. It was just that. I hold grudges. <laughs> I'm just like I need to I need to go on his Twitter and just look if he's like, I'm sorry guys, that was the heat of the moment. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. Yeah, like at first I thought it was joking. Like I was like, haha, the bad outweigh or whenever he was like, it was he's a bad like, experience. Sucked. Yeah. Yeah, and Phil was like, not even the experience was great, and he was like, the bad outweighed the good. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna look up his he's Twitter. Serious. That part was sad. <laughs> so we have the final four. We are headed to the Philippines, which is apparently the texting capital of the world. Who knew? Who knew? I didn't. This was a very different episode. It was. Yeah, so it was a really weird leg because at like the beginning of the episode, they're told in their clue, right, to find Phil at like the city center, which is just (laughs) very odd because everybody's like, no, you find Phil at the end of the leg. Right. So when he said it was going to be a sprint the whole time, mm-hmm. no detours and no roadblocks, just challenges to see like who could do them the fastest. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know what made them do that. I guess trying something a little different. Pause. Okay, I don't like him. <laughs> oh no! What do you say on? So Twitter? he's like, he looks like he's like commenting on everybody. Somebody said, "Do you still feel that way about the Amazing Race? You regret it." He said, "I don't regret it, but I'm never doing it again." I'm like, well, gosh, I don't think they would invite you back after what you said. And then somebody said, "Dang, sore loser," and he said, "Yes, very LMAO." Somebody said, "Congrats, enjoyed watching until you." 100% came off as a bitter Betty. <laughs> hey, what can I say? I hate losing at anything. And then somebody said, so who of these final three were you cheering for on The Amazing Race? 
Hope all three teams lose. Even two years later, seeing that makes me mad. <laughs> wow. Boo. So when Phil said it was going to be a sprint, so no detours, no roadblocks, just challenges to see who could get them done the fastest. I thought it was really interesting. I don't really know what made them decide that. It's weird because it was like an episode that was anti-alliance for the most part. Like you really couldn't help each other on most mm-hmm. of it. But it's like, did they know? I mean, obviously these are planned ahead, but it's it's just kind of like, so are they like knowing people are going to want something different than the alliance? Um, it's just, it, it's funny how that worked out. Yeah. I don't know. It was different. I don't know that I would say it was my favorite, like, setup. Yeah. But it was nice to, like, have something kind of different. Yeah, I agree. It was almost like a scavenger hunt in a way. Yeah. Which made it mm-hmm. unique. I don't know. Like, the only thing I can think of, even during whenever Phil is, like, explaining everything, I believe he says something along the lines of you're running for yourself or, like, it, it doesn't benefit you to run with other people or something like that. Which is kind of crazy, just like how the ending worked out. But yeah, it was really different. I don't know how I feel about it. So the first thing they had to do was find kind of like, I want to, he wasn't really dancing, but that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, that's, I, I said he was like, yeah, like a dancing traffic cop, basically. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what I wrote down. Yeah, that was fun to try to like catch the clue from him as yeah. he's directing traffic. That was unique. Yeah, that was fun. And interesting, like we've never seen... Obviously, usually in the car, they are driving to a destination. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to have them, like, be in the car and not know where they were going to see him almost. That's true, yeah. So they're kind of, like, having to, like, an I spy kind of, (laughs) like, trying to find somebody. Where's Waldo kind of deal. And just the amount of traffic in that city is just... Unreal. Yeah. Like, whew. Callan and I have been to some very trafficked cities, but yeah, yes. I don't think we've been in anything like that. And they head to the Mall of Asia and do the high heel, I guess, race. I don't think they had to get first. It was just a matter of completing it, right? Yeah, they had to do a 500 meter dash. In those heels. shoes were so cute, though. I was like, I would wear all of those. Those men aside from Will and James that were complaining about the heels. I'm like, that's nothing. Those look like comfortable heels. True. Yeah, <laughs> even Will said he was like, uh, these are like baby shoes in comparison. <laughs> exactly. I know. And I saw like that was kind of like what the show was promoting for this episode. So I was really looking forward to what that was going to look like. And, you know, I always appreciate when we can talk about, you know, how fashion is socialized in our culture. <laughs> And how much it sucks to wear high heels. Just let everybody have a taste of it. I mean, I like a a good pair of, like, heels every now and then, but I want them to be comfortable. I don't want to be miserable. Yeah. So it's it's fun when people get to try them out. And I don't, I mean, I'm not running in heels normally. Right. And I would have been concerned about, like, breaking my ankle. Yeah, like rolling it. Right, exactly. They look like they were... 
like a lot of them were kind of on the chunkier side though. I didn't like this and he had like very small heels so. So then apparently they have the oldest Chinatown in the world which is also good. There was a lot of like fun facts in this episode and they had to find everyone was calling it lions they had to find. Basically you had to stick your hand down in the mouth and grab a clue. That was kind of funny. Like <laughs> it was. Pulling apart these mouths <laughs> trying to see like do you have a clue in there? Yeah. <laughs> and Hung and she actually got a little lost. I know. I got really worried about this. I know. I was stressed because they were so focused on the lions and weren't focusing on, like, they had to go to a certain arch. The Arch of Goodwill, I think is what it was called. So it seemed like they were focusing more on, like, okay, where are the lions? We got to find the lions. And, like, people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there are lions everywhere. <laughs> I got concerned, so I'm glad they eventually caught up, but they made me nervous. Then they head to the post office where there are calaisas, horse-drawn carriages that have been around for thousands of years, I'm sure. Basically, you have to get together all of the food that you need from the different vendors and then mix the food together to give to the horses that are there. I feel like there weren't really any, like, exciting... <laughs> portions of this. I mean, like, the dancing cop was cute, and the high heel race was funny, but, like, I guess the high heels is the most memorable part of the the whole thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, like, I didn't dislike this I usually have mixed feelings when they change up something, like, right before the finale. Mm -hmm. Because in a way, I want to see them fight it out, how they've been fighting it out at the same time, so that it's, like, seemingly, like, fair. Yeah. In a way, if that makes sense, you can just judge everybody on the same thing the whole time. Right. It was fun for, like, a different kind of episode, but I would say that it didn't hold my attention like a normal episode does. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And even, like, like for for us when we like part of the fun to me is like thinking if we were in that situation what detour would we choose who would do the roadblock or something like that and obviously none of these you can skip or choose certain people to do it but yeah it was still fun yeah and i like the idea of like every we do everything together the whole time mm -hmm. but we couldn't have as many like in-depth challenges they were you know kind of complex as we normally would true but with that said the last challenge oh my gosh yeah that was classic amazing race and i really liked it yes i thought the exact same thing because there have been many times where they've done things like this where you have to put things in order from what countries you've been to and i know they've done some that are you have to know the flag of the country. But I don't remember them doing music that you've heard during the season. So that's something different. Because they've done it before where maybe it's like a different challenge that you did. Or I remember they've done before like the people who meet you at the pit stop with Phil. You have to remember like what clothes they're wearing or maybe what they say. Something like that. And yeah, it was very... I really enjoyed that because those are always super interesting. Kind of like... Are you taking notes every time? And then are you studying those notes that you take? Basically kind of like gives you an advantage if you are a super fan of the show and you kind of know that this is like a kind of a, a trend that, that they have. But I feel like that's usually on the finale episode. Like that's usually the last challenge. Exactly. And also in 
I want to say, like, the last few seasons, they haven't had a challenge like that. Mm -hmm. Or they have at least skipped over that. Because I remember being sad, like, oh, there's not some, like, final memory kind of challenge about the whole season. Right. Because I really, I love it. And it's just a great way to finish off, like, everything you've done. Yeah, it's kind of like a recap, almost, of just like, okay, remember everything you've done up until this point. Yeah, I like that element as well. I mean, last season that we had with the reality groups or whatever they had the drum kit the like they had the replicate or something like that which I mean it was interesting but yeah to me like the things that are involved with the race and what all they've done all season is just a fun way to finish the show it's like with the viewer can also play along which I think is always fun yeah I thought it was super fun and I really liked the music was involved obviously throughout the season there have been challenges that involve music but I would not have like thought oh I need to be remembering this music oh, so yeah. just as a viewer I would you know that was cool to be like oh wow that's really specific and mm-hmm. this is gonna be hard yeah and it was they all struggled <laughs> very, very 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 much very much so it seemed like they couldn't get down like almost every aspect (laughs) because maybe they didn't recognize the song from the specific country and they weren't sure what the flag of that country might have been and then knowing the order that they needed to put it in so it was kind of like all three of those things had to line up in order for all that to happen and you know as annoying as the alliance thing is it's just kind of ironic that the entire, like, this finale ends (laughs) with this alliance finishing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of, like, seals the bow on this alliance season (laughs) that the last challenge that they have before they basically all run for themselves is kicking out the last team that was not in their alliance. Yeah, I mean, I'll hand it to them that that has to be a real sense of accomplishment And something that people on shows like Survivor and Big Brother can't always do, where you set an alliance and then you Mm -hmm. all get to the end together. True. That's very rare. Yeah, I mean, I still have mixed feelings. And I I know we've talked about Gary and D'Angelo. And my my thoughts (laughs) pre-pit stop and everything that was said there... I felt really bad for Gary and D'Angelo during the actual challenge when they realized, yeah, that all three other teams were just going to work together. Yeah. Because I already think the worst place you can come in is fourth place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's not just an amazing race. I think, like, one before the finale is really just unfortunate because, like, you would have to feel like, wow, I almost made it. Yeah. I just felt really bad for them in that moment because, and, and it's hard because I I really like all three teams in the alliance and I'm happy that they did it and I wanted to be happy for them that nice moment that they had at the mat. Yeah. But I felt really bad that, like, just putting myself in Gary and D'Angelo's shoes, yeah. I can't imagine how sad we would be if we were in their spot and this group of teams were helping and we had... We were just hopeless and knew we were going home. Yeah, I mean, that's really disheartening. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's basically like you're left out of, you know, the party or (laughs) the playground. Just kind of goes back to, like, you feel like you're not included, which is 
never a fun feeling. Especially, I feel like it would be even worse when at one point you were included. Right, yeah. Like, it's not like we're the random team, like, oh, we're Kaylin and Haley and we've made it all the way here. Yeah. You know, it's like you were in that group. Right. And now... You didn't make the cut again. yeah, Yeah. That's just like... So I can get why they would be really upset. Yeah. I would definitely be upset, even though in the other team's minds, that's how an alliance works. So, yeah, I just felt bad for them on a personal level, but, of course, I was not not thrilled about <laughs> D'Angelo's final comments. Right. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about them take Gary and D'Angelo taking the two-hour penalty. I mean, I, I understand as far as, like, just feeling, like, defeated and you're just ready to get it over with. But at some point, it's like, I feel like I would want to try to hopefully get it but again I can yeah I can understand the feeling of just like you kind of want to get it over with (laughs) so you just take a nap yeah I was a little bit thrown off by that choice as well first of all was it a two-hour penalty and not a four-hour penalty because it wasn't like a normal challenge see that's what I thought too because when they said the penalty I was like oh my gosh they're about to sit out for four hours and then he said we'll just take the two-hour penalty and I was like oh yeah yeah so I don't know if maybe that's a, a race change or yeah maybe since it wasn't technically a roadblock or a detour they made it shorter I don't know I mean I would I would in a way hope they kept the four-hour penalty nor in normal episodes because Otherwise, I could probably do a two-hour penalty and just sit it out and, you know, (laughs) still make it. But I thought that kind of went against their normal character, especially, like, I just feel like a sports mentality is to always, like, finish finish strong Mm -hmm. no matter what. And, like, I think back to Frank and Jerry who knew they were done. Right. And they, like, stayed positive and enjoyed finishing that last challenge together knowing we're about to go home. Yeah, right. And they had that basketball mentality of, like, we're going to finish what we started. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little bit surprised, like, okay, even if you know you're going home, so why not just do it until you figure it out. Like, I know it's frustrating, but at least you'll be satisfied that you actually finished it. Like, I would just feel like I didn't have closure going out on a penalty. Right. I agree. But that was their choice. It was. But, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the final three. I think, like we said, everybody there has won more than one leg, which is always exciting. And I really liked, either Riley or Madison said it, I don't remember, But basically was like, we wanted to run this race with our friends and like want to have the challenge and the fun of running it with these people, which I feel like in today's reality competition show, that's not what happens because everybody wants to keep around the people they think they can beat, which like, I understand that gameplay, but sometimes it's like, why don't you like want to beat the best? Like, don't you want to prove that you are the best? out of this group. I agree. Yeah, like to me that win is just much more satisfying than oh I took this person who 
no one cares for or has done little in the game. Well, and also, if you lose, you can still be excited for your friend. True. That won. Yeah. And be like, okay, they were deserving. Whereas if you lose to someone that you dragged along, you're like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you then know? you're even more disappointed. Exactly. Well, who who are you pulling for the most going into the finale? Definitely Hung and Chi are my number one that I'm rooting for. I just, I love them. They have great communication. And which I know that's something they mentioned that they struggle with, but I feel like they've grown a lot and they seem to have just a sweet relationship. And I just love people that have children back at home that they want to be good role models for. I don't know. They just seem like a really sweet family. Who's your number one? I would honestly say that I like Hung and Chi and Riley and Madison equally as teams. Yeah. So I will be very happy if either one of them wins. I think both are very deserving. Well, first of all, Hung is the only woman left. So true. Go girl. Yeah. I like a married couple on The Amazing Race that doesn't fight every two seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of rare. So yeah. I really like it. It is. I think they have a really sweet relationship and just are always positive. Riley and Madison always have great attitudes in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I feel like they have literally not made a mistake the whole time. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever been able to say that about a team. The only like bad thing that's happened to them from my memory, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the boat they were on stalling last week right like and that wasn't even something they did like they didn't get lost yeah you know yeah so I just feel like they have done really well and deserve it as far as Will and James like I I'll be fine if they win I'm not gonna be upset like I do like them Mm -hmm. but they have frustrated me more throughout the season with like alliance stuff and u-turn and that kind of gameplay. Right. I love that they're super fans and are just so thrilled to be there. I really like that about them a lot. And I know they will be super happy if they win. So oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I don't think there's a bad option. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really fun episode and a really fun finale just pulling for everybody. But what's going to make it even better is where they're headed to. I know, right? Right? New Orleans, Louisiana is like a second home for us (laughs) (laughs) we've been there many times yes even at mardi gras yes i'm really excited to to see where all they go and all the fun things they get to do like it looks like they're going to be digging through some king cakes possibly yeah so that's going to be really fun and i love that that's like the race always ends you know, in an American city somewhere. And it's even more fun when it's close to us. I really wish that we could have gotten a heads up like, hey, Amazing Race is headed here tomorrow. See if you can find Phil. <laughs> if we saw people running with backpacks, oh my gosh. we would be chasing yes. <laughs> Give me your fanny pack right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. And maybe we'll uh, bring out some of our favorite New Orleans stories. hey get ready for that. An amazing race finale plus New Orleans stories. That sounds good. Wow. Match made in heaven right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell all your friends and family. We want to thank Stephen for coming on. So, um, be sure to check out Chortle Games. They're on, like, all the streaming platforms and on ChortleGames.com, as mentioned before. (laughs) 
please connect with us over social media. We'd love to hear from you to hear your feedback on everything. Let us know what your thoughts are on Scrubs if you've seen it and if you have any thoughts on D'Angelo and Gary going out this week on The Amazing Race. I guess that's it. Until next time, I'm Callan. I'm Steven, TurtleGames.com. I'm Anna. Steven, do you have a sign-off for us? Well, gosh, Anna, that's a really big task, and I can't do this all on my own. I'm no Superman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no Superman. (laughs)